Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. When you talk about a portfolio, you often talk about positions or a percentage that each stock would have in that portfolio. And provides unbiased answers. Uh, The answer is very simple. When you concentrate your portfolio in just a handful of stocks, five stocks, let's say, that means any one of those stocks control the whole portfolio. InvestTalk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hi, Duncan here from New York. I was just listening to your podcast from yesterday. You gave some very interesting stats on used cars. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. And I do hope this program will help you today. This program and podcast we do every day, Monday through Friday. And of course, our mission statement is independent thinking and shared success. So we try to assure you of our commitment to facts, to helping you, to you know, educating you on what's going on in the market, what's going on in the economy. And we do this every day, Monday through Friday. Okay, it's all in an effort for both of us to learn something. I learn something from clients all the time or from callers. You know, so I'm more than willing to listen to your suggestions if you have any. Go ahead. You know, and I don't mind criticism. You can criticize what I say. I don't want you to criticize it just off the top of the head. You have to have supporting documentation, support of some kind of what you're saying because, you know, anybody can criticize anybody for anything, but I'd like to have the facts, the facts. I'm Steve Peasley, and, of course, I do really encourage you to call me with your financial and investment questions. This is, we don't talk about anything else. We talk about money, one way, shape, or another. Money, how to earn it, how to keep it, how to grow it, how to invest it wisely, wisely. Yeah, I get a lot of calls on people investing in things that are very, very, very risky. And I don't think they appreciate how much risk they're taking. Why would you want to do that? Remember, when you buy a stock, you're buying a piece of a company. You have to be careful. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. We are live 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday, so we're live right now. And we have lots of calls on our voice bank we've been trying to work through. The number never changes, 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener call, listener question. Hi, Steve and Justin. Long-time listener, love the show. Looking at a fund, the ticker symbol is S-Z-N-E. Looks like it's a good fund. It seems to move and balance your money around the different sectors for you, so you're always in the hot zone and stuff. Does this fund pay a dividend, and does it look as good as it is, I guess? I'll look forward to hearing your answer about it on one of the upcoming Forward podcasts. Thank you. Okay, it does pay a small dividend of 0.8 tenths of 1%. So 0.8%. 8 tenths of 1%. It's an ETF sinking performance corresponding to the Stovall Equal Weight Seasonal Rotation Index. So it's rotating in sectors based on the season. 
Uh, and you know, there there are seasons for stocks. There are you know, there's I think it's more reliable to check out the economic cycle and the stock market stocks at work in different parts of the economic cycle. And but they're not doing that. They're doing equal weight seasonal rotation. So they're rotating to different sectors based on the season. So, you know, who knows? This hasn't been around that long enough, 2018, to, to really warrant knowing how well it will work. Uh, it's been moving up ever since the bottom of COVID, right, last March, a year ago, March. And uh, before that, it you know, it was moving up, and then COVID really tanked it. It went from like 30-something all the way down to like 18. Okay, and then now it's back to uh, about 30, 36.89. So it's it's a it's a fun ETF that tries to mimic uh, try to take advantage of the seasonality of stocks. That's what it is. So why are we here today? Well, well, it's uh, of course I'm doing the podcast and I want to do the podcast. I know that the success of your financial future is tied to your investments and tied to what quality or in or bad quality of stocks and, and assets you buy. So we want to provide information and strategies here on Invest Talk. That's what we want to do. We want to help you with your choices, you know, and help you how to deal with the uncertainty of the market. So give me a call. This is Invest Talk. Our anytime listener line number is 888-992-4278 or 888-99-CHART. Today's trivia question concerns an invention of the 1850s, 1850s, that is today saving lives in hospitals. My trivia question is coming up at the halfway point of the show, as it always does. How did the market do today? Well, it had a really good day. The Dow was up 316 points, and NASDAQ up 164 points, and the S&P up 38 points. So why, after two days in a row down, do we have a big up day? No reason, really. Really? Well, what was the reason for the market to be down? No reason, really. <laughs> it's just the foibles of the market, everybody. Earnings, and we're in the midst of earnings, are pretty doing pretty well. Turning pretty well. Now, we, I just want to remind you, earnings always beat, more than 50% of earnings beat analysts' expectations. It's only that way, and I think it's the number is really like 70%. 70% of the reported earnings by the uh, public companies beat the analyst's expectation of earnings. And the only reason is because the experts, the analysts, guide down the last few weeks of the quarter to ensure that they generally will beat their earnings expectations. They play a game. You have to understand the game they're playing. Now, I'm saying the earnings are doing better than expected. I'm saying better than the analysts expected to do, not what they report on, but they were better than we all thought they would be. And that might be one of the reasons why earnings are doing well. I mean, the stocks are doing, stock prices are doing well. Maybe that's why it bounced today. Remember, lots of money is pouring into the system. Biden's talking about a fourth package, fourth spending package, and other Congress persons are talking about uh, you know, constant stimulus packages. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. But that's what they're talking about. That's been reported. We'll see. Maybe that boosted the market. Unlimited money coming in. 
You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we're already in the second quarter. So, 2021 is moving. 2020 was moving pretty fast. So, with all the changes we see happening, it's pretty important to remember that during times of market uncertainty, we still have to watch and build and constantly increase our portfolios. Remember, you're going to have to live on this money sometime. Someday when you retire, when you stop working, when you're forced to stop working, or you want to stop working, whatever that is. So we're taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. We're already moving through the second quarter, and serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. And you're listening to Invest Talk. And I do appreciate you being, being here with me. I really do. So my focus point today, how COVID has changed America's labor force. Now, 2020, the labor market shed 20 and a half million people. Remember that? When we shut down the economy, that's how many jobs were lost. 20 and a half million jobs were lost. Okay? Uh, and we're, one in four workers today may be planning to job hop once the threat of the pandemic has subsided. In other words, get change jobs. We'll talk about that at length. So we have a good number of voice bank questions, so I better get to it. Here's one of two extra talking points. We will see. Back to the InvestDoc voice bank for questions that came in earlier from Oregon. Hi, this is Jennifer in Oregon. Thank you so much for being so generous with your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Due to the scarcity of semiconductors, I'm concerned about my Ford and GM stocks. I bought for the long term, so do I stay the course or do I sell and get back in once the dust settles? Thanks for any advice you've got. Bye. I really don't think you should sell or buy Ford or GM because of a shortage of semiconductors. And you do know cars take, take a lot of semiconductors. Uh, I read somewhere a while back there was like seven or nine semiconductors per vehicle. That number has probably increased dramatically. So, But I don't think you should worry, that should worry you about buying into Ford or GM. I don't think that is an issue. The issue should be based, well, what's the value? Well, Ford's going to make $1.61 next year. It's $11.72 stock. Okay, so does that mean it's cheap or expensive? Well, that drives the P down to what? Uh, eight. And the five-year range is six to 41. Now, the return on equity on Ford is not very good, 5%. Cash flow is strong. They don't pay a dividend. There's not much growth. So, you know... Do you take your profits and run? Because it was at four. I don't know where you bought, but that's where the low in last year was four. But but $11.72, the highest it's been is in the last, well, I don't know, since 2014, that's the data that goes, that's how far my data goes back, was 18. The average is around 14, maybe 13, 14, and it's 11.72. So, it's not. It's it's a. It's not undervalued very much. Usually, they do get a, do earn a very low P. They meaning the car companies, pretty low P. Except for Tesla, yeah. You know, I'm talking about old standby car companies. So, 
I still don't think you should make any decision based on a shortage of chips. I don't think that's going to affect. Okay, can we fit in another caller question? Yes, I think I can. Here's a call. Hi, Steve. I had a question about Silicon Motion Technology Corp. It's a producer of NAND flash memory for uh, mobile devices. Its market cap is $2.44 billion. Its price earnings ratio is about 21 times earnings. Fiscal year 21 consensus PE is uh, 16. It made $3.20 earnings per share this year. Next year, it projects to make $4.20 earnings per share. Fiscal year 22, $4.86 per share, earnings per share, and $6 in fiscal year 23. Revenue growth, very similar, and their margins are staying in the high 40s and actually growing next year to 51%. Given this, I'm wondering why it is not trading at a much higher price-to-earnings ratio, given that it competes with companies like Taiwan Semiconductor, Micron Technology, and uh, Samsung. So if you have thoughts on why this is trading relatively cheaply relative to peers, and if you think it can go into the 100s, I'd love to hear your opinion. Thanks for all you do. Okay, it's S-I-M-O as a symbol. S-I-M-O, Silicon Motion Tech. Uh, Taiwan-based company, designer of microcontrollers, universal serial bus flash drives, card readers, and so on. And his numbers are pretty accurate from what I said. His was a little low or a little high, but pretty pretty much right on. So wherever you're getting your numbers, those are good numbers. Okay, um, I, I think the problem you have here is had very good growth you know, for four quarters in a row, but the most recent quarter reported was December last year. And sales shrank 6%. So earnings are going to go up, but sales shrank 6%. And I think, you know, when you're talking about a company that's $2.3 billion, that's a quote-unquote a growth company, and all of a sudden one quarter shows shrinkage, people don't like that. Investors don't like that. They feel it's got problems. Now, management owns 9%, which is very good. But mutual funds over the last year have been a net seller of the stock. So used to used to have 179 mutual funds a year ago. Today, that participated in this stock. Now there's only 156. So the smart money, the quote-unquote smart money, which sometimes aren't too smart, but the smart money is saying, mm, probably it's not something we want to own at this point. So as they're trying to sell it off. On the next Invest Talk, this story. Yelp, Yelp. Data shows that more than one half million new businesses opened in the past year. Believe that? Half a million new businesses during that time. Remember, that's following a very, very challenging time, the COVID time, right, where everything was shut down. So that's tomorrow. For now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Would you recommend to put all my funds right away in the market, or you recommend dollar cost average? Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99 Chart. 
888-992-4278. That's our number. Love to call. Love to talk to you. Um, cryptocurrency, have you seen that new, was it Doge currency? They tried to, you know, they, meaning investors, tried to push it up and were kind of unsuccessful. People think they can just do the, the, the GameStop thing and push certain equities up to astronomical highs. It's not that easy. There's always somebody on the other side. Yeah, you can do it. You can be successful if you have enough, enough pressure. But it's it, there's always somebody on the other side of the trade. So and they, I don't even think it broke a dollar. You know, and that was what they were hoping to get it to, a dollar. Dogecoin? So that didn't work out. So. Cryptocurrency is here to stay. I truly believe that it's going to be around. But it is so risky. And many of them are going to go bankrupt. Many of them are going to go out of business. Don't think it's... It's going to be worth your while. They generally don't. I mean, I've seen this over and over and over in different different classes of uh, of uh, equities over the years I've been doing this, and it's the same story. Same story. They push something that's not worth anything, and then they go. You know, they they push a lot of it. They they find a bunch of people who are willing to throw money at something, and then they'll the crooks come out, the scammers come out, and there you go. You know, so. I, I just don't, um, yeah. I, you just, why would you want to take that risk? I know people think, oh, I'll be a millionaire. No, you won't. It's just like playing the lottery. Everybody else wins. Not you, not me. We don't get the millions of dollars. We have to do it through the hard way, hard work. Okay? So, my focus point today, how COVID has changed America's labor force. Now, it's interesting that the the article itself was pretty interesting that I read. Okay, um, it's called, you know, uh, one of four workers considering quitting their job after the pandemic. Here's why. Now, when that when a high number of people are quitting their job, when that happens, that means the economy is pretty strong because they're confident about finding another job. That's what that means. So don't think, don't think that it's called a quit ratio. Quit ratio. What is the quit ratio? So we lost 20.5 million jobs last year, and we still have fewer than, we still have 8 million more to go just to equal the top, the, the top of the mark that we had before COVID hit. So we're still 8 million jobs shy, but people are thinking, hey, comp's going to recover. They took time out, they're taking time out to improve their skills, their working skills, and that's going to produce more income for them. But, you know, I th- sit back and read this article and thought, hmm, isn't that inflationary? If they're looking for more salaries and there's a lot of people doing that, quitting from one job to the next, looking for better conditions, more, uh, more money, better conditions, that, that's kind of inflationary on, this, on the wage side. We already know from the CPI and PPI on the product side, that inflation is starting to kick in, and we're approaching about 3% annualized right now. And do you realize in the United States, 3.3% is the very long-term average of inflation? Okay, so it's been below, you know, two and a half forever. So we're now pushing close to three. But now if this is true and people are quitting or going to quit their jobs looking for better jobs and more money, better conditions, that's kind of inflationary. So you have both inflation on the wage front and inflation on the on the goods and services front. So inflation's coming, people. I just don't I, 
It, it, don't panic about it because corporate profits stay ahead of it. But what I would do is be very aware of inflation because at some point the Fed is going to react to it if it if it gets too high. And they can react to it violently and throw us all into recession. Very common. Let's go to Will in San Diego. He wants to talk about AT&T. Will. Oh, hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I'm yeah. wondering if there's any upside potential to AT&T. I know they have a good dividend, but is there any upside to the uh, stock itself? There's not a lot of upside for AT&T. I, 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 by the way, I, I own AT&T in my, some of our managed accounts. I like it, but I own it for the dividend. What I've been telling people, buy it in the high 20s and sell it in the mid-30s. Now, you're at $30.11 right now. But that's the range it's been in for some time. You know, it's going to be very difficult for AT&T to get out of that range. So, you know, what's the dividend now? Check. Come on. Come on. Software's slow. Um, the dividend is 6.9%. So it has gotten as high as 43 in 2016 and 2017. 2018 is 39, 2019 was 39, and 2020 it was 39. So what is that, 30 now? So now 39 is, yeah, that's not bad. That's 20, 30, 25, 30, 25% or so upside potential to get to the 39. But it probably will not break above that, and, and I don't see how it can. No. So just just look at it that way. Appreciate the call. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. AT&T. The symbol is T, everybody. Now, to encourage, uh, it, uh, as we get encouraging reports of the economy that is coming back to life, we realize, of course, that much of the credit for easing the worry of the pandemic has to do with the COVID vaccines. We know that. And we, I think, was about 25%, 30% of the people have the COVID vaccine. And like 40, up to 40% up, uh, have the first half. Okay? So... Trivia question. Approximately when was the first hyper, hypodermic syringe, commonly called a needle, first used in human body? To, we'll get to that after the break. 888-99-CHART is our number. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Okay. Okay, I gave you a, a trivia question before the break and ran out of time to give the, the whole thing, but that's okay. Approximately when was the first hypodermic syringe, commonly called a needle, first used in human body, in the human body? When? And what was the name of the English doctor who performed the first vaccination? Vaccination. So hypodermic, think about it, the hypodermic. Dermic means derma, the skin, right? is a term related to uh, a region immediately under the skin, hypodermic. Before that, in ancient Greece and Rome, physicians used thin, hollow tools to inject fluids into the body. Okay, but they weren't vaccinations or anything. In 1656, 1656, a dog was given an intravenous injection via a goose quill. However, it wasn't until 1853 when Charles Gabriel Provaz, working in France, and Alexander Wood, working in Scotland, each developed a needle fine enough to pierce human skin. It was a syringe. The syringe was the first device used to inject morphine as a painkiller. We still use that, you know, quite often, quite a lot, morphine. Still do it today. The breakthrough also limited many of the technical difficulties facing those experimenting with blood transfusion. 
Now, about disposable syringes. What is what, 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 what that we use today? What, what, what about those? In 1949-1950, author Arthur Smith received eight U.S. patents for disposable syringes. In 1954, Becton Dixon and Company, Becton Dickinson and Company created the first mass-produced disposable syringe and needle produced in glass and later in plastic. It was developed for Dr. Jonas Salk's mass administration of the new Salk polio vaccine given to one million American children. Polio was a terrible disease. And before, before then, you know, you got polio, you were crippled for life. It was not fun. But we've conquered that disease. Uh, by the way, Becton Dickinson and Company still trades today on the New York Stock Exchange as the symbol BDX. Okay, uh, shoot, do I keep going? Looking back to England in 1798, Dr. Edward Jenner performed the first vaccination. 1798, the English physician began to develop vaccines by studying the ink between smallpox and cowpox, a milder disease. Isn't that interesting? The, it's the link between those two. Uh, Jenner injected one boy with cowpox and found that the boy became immune to smallpox. Jenner published his holdings in 1798. Within three years, as many as 100,000 people in Britain have been vaccinated against smallpox. Okay, I think I beat this into the ground, so we'll stop. Let's talk to Keith in San Diego. Keith. Hello, Steve. I had a question about EMB, Emerging Markets Bond Fund. Uh, looking to buy it, perhaps, as a kind of a um, pick, fixed portion, or fixed income portfolio, maybe keep it for a year. What, what do you think about that? Well, it's an ETF seeks to track the investment results of the index composed of U.S. dollar-denominated emerging market debt. So I like that, the fact that it's U.S. dollar-denominated, because you don't then you don't have the the translation problem, in other words, from a foreign currency into an American currency. And, you know, if the dollar got stronger, then you make less money. If the dollar got weaker, you make more money. But you don't have to worry about that because they're investing in dollar-denominated emerging market bonds. In other words, these bonds are in dollars, not the currency of the particular emerging market. Um, I kind of like the idea. You got a 3.8% dividend, so it's a nice, decent dividend, um, why did you only say a year? Why do you have it in your head that you're going to do it for a year? Uh, probably just more of a hedge on the market. Okay. And, and that would be true because it's for a not. Short term. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that would be a true. It would be a hedge. It's not a, a perfect hedge, but it's a hedge, meaning that if the stock market goes down, this probably won't. You know, but it, it may, but it probably won't. That's why I say it's not it's not a perfect hedge. The stock market goes down, your asset goes up, that's a much better hedge, right? But you don't know that for sure on this. But it is a pretty decent hedge. I don't have a problem with it as a hedge. I think that's one way to do it. So, Keith, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. E, the symbol is uh, EMB as in boy, everybody. We often have people call with questions asking... Not about a stock, but instead seeking advice. Here comes one now from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Duncan here from New York. I uh, was just listening to your podcast from yesterday. You gave some very interesting stats 
on used cars being sold for around 20000 So my just quick question is, I have a used car, TSX 2012, last of its kind because it's a stick shift, and I'm also trying to think about buying a house. Would you suggest me kind of looking into selling my used car? I've had it for about, you know, seven years. I only have $300 to pay off the finance, and then I have no debt with it. And I think on Kelly Blue Books, it, it can be sold for about like six or $7,000 worth. I don't know if this would be a good question on the show, but I'm hoping uh, you would have some advice. Thank you very much. Bye. Sure. Usually a car is a depreciating item, whereas property usually is appreciating. So switching from a vehicle where your assets are in a vehicle to your assets in a property, well, that makes perfect sense. Why would you not want to do it? Now, the problem you have here is, do you need the car? Do you need it for transportation? And if you sold that car, are you going to buy another one, replace it? Then that's not the smartest thing in the world to do, is it? Because now you're just adding more debt, and now you got another depreciating item. But if you're selling that car to get more money to get for a down payment on a property, I like that idea. In concept, I like that concept. So, yeah. Now, the question is, you know, are you... Are you going to be able to buy a property with that little amount of money down? I don't know where you are, but I guarantee in California, no. In the, either, on either coasts of the United States, no. You're going to need a heck of a lot more money than that to put down on a property. So, you know, I'd have to. We had to have to have. We'd have to have a conversation. That's what we would have to do. So let me let's make a three in a row. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, this is. Corey, I'm from Sunnyville, California, big fan of the show. I have a question about CTRM, that's Castor Maritime. They are a shipment company, and they have had pretty good news as of lately, acquiring new ships, having very low debt. So overall, good news. They've done very well during uh, COVID 2020, and they did spike about one month ago. They hit about 170, 175. And then after that, they've just been dropping, dropping down to, I believe they're like in the 43s now. And it hasn't really stopped. And I'm just curious what your opinion on that is, because I've been hearing so much good things about this stock, but it just continues to drop. And do you think it's reaching a bottom yet? Do you think it's worth investing into just your overall opinion. Thanks again. I appreciate the show, and have a good one. Okay, if he's talking about Castor Maritime, Inc., and the top price of this thing was in 2019, $18 a share, and the low was a dollar. In 2020, it was $2 as a high and a penny as a low. So I don't know where you're coming up with 140. He mentioned 140. They mean a dollar 40, but that's not right either. So I'm not sure. Castor Maritime provides seaborne transportation services for dry bulk cargo with fleets of three Panam Panamax vessels. Three, a fleet of three. It's a $339 million company, so it's a micro cap that doesn't make money. It's going to lose $0.31. Cents. It lost $0.31 cents last year. Uh, um, uh, uh, 2000, that was 2019. 2020, it lost $0.03, cents, and I have no estimate for this year because no one's following it. It's too small. 
If this is a stock you're talking about, it's out of Cyprus, I would stay away from it. Don't buy companies that don't make money. That's my rule. The rule, You know, notice I have never changed that rule, anybody. I just don't. So we know 2021, is, we're in the, what, second quarter now? And it's going pretty fast, and it's pretty been pretty wild ride. And, you know, I think Justin and I both believe that by the end of the year, the market may not have done much because it's going to be volatile. We don't, you know, right now it's up nicely, first three months of the year, but we'll see. Uh, it, you should, you would think it would do very well because of all the money being spent out there, but we'll see. I think there's going to be a ride, a volatile ride. So if you need help with that, that's what we do. KPP Financial helps individuals manage their finances. We manage people's portfolios, okay? And we buy the same thing for them as we do ourselves. We buy the same stocks, same bonds. I, am, I own everything my clients own at the same price. And we provide unbiased guidance. We'll help you with everything we can, unbiasedly. And, you know, when I buy everything for myself to do for my clients, that's we call that parallel investing. So I'm on the same side of the table as all my clients. So if you're interested in having us take a look at your portfolio, let us take a look at it. Please, please take advantage. It's no cost, no obligation. We will not try to talk into anything. Uh, so just call our KPP offices in Irvine, California, or send me an email. Uh, contact us on our website at investtalk.com at kppfinancial.com and just send me an email. We'll start the conversation. We'll take a look at your portfolio for you. We want to help you. We will help you, and we truly, truly want to help. Okay, next up, question that came in earlier from Alabama. That's in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk Call Center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hello, this is Todd from Birmingham, Alabama. I want to say thank you for the knowledge that you share with your listeners every day. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. When you talk about a portfolio, you often talk about positions or a percentage that each stock would have in that portfolio. Why does it matter if one stock has 15% of the portfolio and one has 4%, as an example? I have two accounts with Schwab. One I let them handle, and the other I'm trying to handle. Should I consider just the percentage in my account when I'm setting up positions, or should it be the percentage for both accounts? Thank you. Okay, that's a pretty good question. Uh, the answer is very simple. When you concentrate your portfolio in just a handful of stocks, five stocks, let's say, that means any one of those stocks control the whole portfolio. If it collapses, your portfolio collapses. 
because they dominate. Those five stocks dominate. Now, also, you can be a hero with those five stocks. If two or three of them go up dramatically, the whole portfolio goes up, and you look like you're really smart. But you need to control risk. And the way to control risk is to get a number of stocks without too much. Remember, I don't recommend – we buy 3% of of a particular position. Therefore, we may have 30, 33 positions because we can watch that many. You may not be able to do that. Maybe you have to have 5% because you can only watch maybe 25 stocks or, you know, uh, 20. You know, so so it's it depends on, you know, you and how much time you have. But but your the whole purpose is to get proper diversification because there's rotation in sectors. That's why you also hear me, don't buy too much in any one sector. So if you had 15 stocks, they can't be all 15 tech stocks. You got to diversify. This way, it keeps your portfolio balanced, and a balanced portfolio means that you'll generally go up over time, always. Okay, and that's why you're doing it. Now, Warren Buffett doesn't carry a lot of stocks. I think his what, portfolio is what, 20, 30 stocks? And he's got billions of dollars invested. So, you know, it. You don't have to have a ton of stocks. You don't want to be overly diversified. If you are, why not just buy an index and not worry about it? You don't want to have 50, 50 different companies. And I've seen that often, 50 to 100. Everybody thinks that they're really being safe because they spread it out so well. Well, but it, that means you will never outperform the index. So you might as well just stay with the index. It's easier. Just buy one one S&P 500 fund and you're done. You don't have to even think about or look at the stock. So that's why. Proper diversification. That's why. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here. To help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? I'm calling to ask your opinion on an ETF called XLI. And the question is, during the market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady? And I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hey, Stephen, Justin. My name's Andrew, calling from Vancouver, Washington been listening to the podcast for a while really absolutely love it absolutely my favorite podcast listening to got a question on pepsi stock ticker symbol pep i bought this one almost about five years ago now not a huge chunk of my portfolio only about 1.3 percent 
I'm up about 41% on it. Just want to get your overall opinion, um, your guys' take on it, whether or not I should keep holding it, maybe trim back a little bit or sell entirely, or just how you feel about the stock. Thanks again. Love the podcast. Looking forward to hearing what you guys say about it. Well, I have lots of relatives in Vancouver, Washington. I'll be going up there in uh, July, I think, for a long weekend. So visit my relatives. I have lots of nieces and nephews. I have 39 nieces and nephews, and I think we're up to seven or eight grandnieces and nephews. So, yeah, I visit them. Uh, PepsiCo, it's a great blue chip stock, $203 billion in size, manufactures a variety of salty, convenient, sweet grain-based snacks, carbonated drinks of all kinds. And, you know, this is a this would be a stock you would not ever sell. You hold on to it forever. Why? Look at its history. In 2014, the low of it was $77. The high was 100 2020, the low was 101 The high was 148 Okay, so, yeah, I realize that's six years and pretty slow appreciation, but it's consistent all that time. Pays a 2.8% dividend. You've got a great profit in it. Why don't you just write it? The cash flow is $7.42 a share. Return equity is a huge 54%. You keep this. And the sales growth is pretty small because it's a $203 billion company. It's Pepsi or Coke. I mean, those are the two, you know, soft drink and snacky kind of companies out there. Uh, so I'd, I'd hold on to it. Uh, there was no reason to sell it. I, I see no reason to sell it. Ever, by the way. Ever. Keep it. That PEP is a symbol, everybody. Okay. Housing. Is it headed for a crunch? Is the housing market going to crash like it did in 2008 again? Is it headed that way? My short answer will be no. Why? Well, if you remember that time, for those of us who do remember it, and I remember it very well, if you remember that time, it was all about unreasonableness. It was unreasonable for people that didn't have make any money to buy a house with no money down unreasonable for the banks to be lending hundreds of thousands of dollars to people that have no jobs. Unreasonable. Are we there now? Is it unreasonable that people are buying houses or refinancing? No, it's it's pretty reasonable. The standards for loans are still pretty good. They are getting a little bit weaker, but they're still pretty good. You got to have a down payment. You got to, back then, no, you didn't have to have a down payment. Banks didn't care. So it, we're not at that unreasonable level in the housing market. We are high. The prices are high. I can see them coming down. But I don't see a market that's going to collapse because interest rates are probably going to stay pretty low for a while. So are we going to have a crash? Not yet. It's not. We don't, I don't see it yet. Is there a bubble building in the housing market? I don't see it. I don't see a bubble building. Some people think there is. Matter of fact, the more people that think there's a bubble in housing or any one particular asset class, the more people that think it, the more likely it's not going to happen. You want to know why? Because if there's a lot of people think there's not going to be a bubble in a certain asset class, that means they've already sold off. They're out of that asset class. So if they're already out and the price didn't collapse and they didn't collapse the price, then the people who are still left holding it are probably going to hold on to it. That's why. And now, of course, this is all generalization, so, you know, it doesn't have to happen that way. 
But it's true. It tends to be tr- true. I'm Steve Pease, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to call your friends and tell them about us. If you would, it's free. Our, our podcast is free. You can download it for free. We post a new program right after the live show, ending at 5 o'clock Pacific time. You can get the free downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. So do it. I would appreciate it. And you can rate us, too. And you can tell me how much you like the show or don't like the show. Just tell me. Independent thinking and shared success. This is the best talk. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.